Oh no, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for me, the church history dog. Today, we're going to be talking with Job. Job has a book in the Old Testament. It's a very old book. Come along, people. Come along, Job. Let's go to my study. Here we are. Job, come on in. J just in here, Job. Let's go. To start, I need my notes. Oh, that Sunday school books. Ah, here they are. All right. Let's talk to Job. Welcome to my study, Job. It's nice to have you. The people at Kingdom of the Lagos have been talking about history repeating itself. Earlier, they were talking about mobs, but Dog wants to talk to you about people confusing good and bad. Yeah, people have been confusing good and bad for a long time, even in my oh, no. own lifetime. The accuser Dog made his argument to God that not only was I not righteous, but that there was no such thing as righteousness in the first place. Oh no! Dog does not like it when people tell Dog he is bad when he is actually good. Is it true, Job, that the book in the Old Testament bearing your name is very old? Yes. In fact, it is one of the oldest parts of our history as the people of God. Oh no. People have been confusing good and bad for quite a long time then. Yes. And those who confuse good and bad cause suffering. What happened in the end? God allowed Satan to present his case that I was not really righteous, that I was only righteous because God was paying me to be righteous. However, in the end, this was disproven. Righteousness is real, and people need God in their lives so that they can learn about true righteousness. See, ladies and gentlemen, if we are not wise about people trying to confuse good and bad, great suffering will come into our world. Be wise and learn the difference between good and bad. Dog does not like it to confuse good and bad. Welcome to Kingdom of the Lagos. This is podcast number 55. Today, we're going to be talking about history repeating itself, and we're also going to be talking about a prayer challenge. We're really hoping to get a prayer challenge started around here. Anyways, I'm J. Dylan Proctor, and with me here in Cord Purgatory is Anthony Alegria. But on the Skype with us today, we have Tyler Darnell from the Dark Horse Garage. So Tyler, go ahead and give a plug to your channel and say hello to everyone. Hey everybody, how you doing? Tyler here from Dark Horse Garage. That is on YouTube. You can check me out whenever you want to. Yes, and he has some good stuff about electricians. If you want to be entertained about putting a um, ground fault in the wall, check out his channel. And of course, Anthony is with us in Cord Purgatory. Anthony, do you have any opening thoughts before we get into our message today? No, I just waved at the camera. You just wave at the camera and look, look good? Alrighty, so we're starting a prayer challenge. And Tyler's actually the one who really got the ball rolling on this. And basically, in this prayer challenge, we are asking people to write up a prayer and post it online. Post it on social media, put it on Twitter, Facebook, wherever you may be. And use the hashtag, hashtag prayer challenge, all one word. Tyler, we've been talking about this for a while. And earlier in our program, we actually had a skit examining something from history, an old court setting. And there's this 
thing in reality where history repeats itself if people are not familiar with history. In the past, we've seen these mobs which come up time and time in history. You think of like witch trials. You can go all the way back to the New Testament and see it was really the mob that takes Jesus to the cross. But we live in a day and age where the, the mob is, is alive. It's, it's festering. It, it's coming out to, to get people. And the mob now largely is driven by social media, and it largely exists on social media. And we really need to do something about this because currently there's this pathological division that's happening in our world where people are splitting off into their own little tribe. And again, without discipline, the pathology will win. So this prayer challenge is something which really can help combat this. And I just wanted to know, what are your initial reasons for wanting to do a prayer challenge, Tyler? Well, um, I was listening to somebody the other day accepting an award, and he gave some tips on uh, how to, I guess, be successful in life. And some of them were along the lines of accepting your God, praying to your God, and everything else. And it kind of struck me as being odd because you don't hear this much from Hollywood. And if they do say something like this in Hollywood, they're rather shunned and uh, kind of excommunicated from the group. So I feel like if, if he's promoting this, why this aren't we Pratt. promoting this? Yeah, I, I didn't want to say his name, but yeah, it is Chris Pratt. But yeah, yeah go ahead and give him the plug. Yeah, it was Chris give Pratt. Him the plug. <laughs> I, yeah, I really liked what he had to say. And uh, he took a big uh, big risk in his career. I mean, you know, if, if you go against the other, the, the mob, if you go against their views, he may never get a movie again. I mean, he's made Absolutely. he's been pretty successful, but uh, still, he may not be able to pursue his career anymore. But uh, I did like what he had to say, and I, I I feel like this could be a way for the for the uh, communities, the groups, the uh, mobs. Maybe maybe we can sway their mind and and try to get them to push back against you know some of the beliefs that they don't believe in because they will turn on each other. Because they don't all believe the same, even though they might have one common thread. Yeah, they don't have an actual moral architecture in their life. Again, they're only interested in virtue when they can really use it as a weapon against other people. Chris Pratt is a wonderful example of somebody stepping up against the mob. The mob likes to go around and tout and say, oh, we're going against institutional racism by coming out and making this statement or by having another Tumblr tranny appear in a movie where we're going against the mob. But realistically, that is the orthodoxy of the day. To get up and be someone who says, hey, remember the role of God belongs to God. To Someone to give and get up and, and correctly point to God. And Chris Pratt's statement, of course, it's not the most orthodox theology. You're not going to come across it and be like, oh, this is the philosophy of G.K. Chesterton or anything like that. However, it is absolutely fascinating and brilliant and courageous for him to stand up to the mob Again, those masses of people there, the audience that's there, not only that, the, the TV and Internet audience of the world around, and the rest of Hollywood is ready to eat people like him alive for even going against the, the orthodoxy a little bit in their private life, much less to do it using the public platforms that he has. So it's amazing. I think it's fantastic, and I think you're right, Tyler. This is a, a good way for us to say, hey, Chris Pratt's doing something. We, as, as people who don't have that platform, we need to start doing stuff, and I think the prayer challenge can definitely help with that. Uh, one, one more thing about the prayer challenge before we go back to the mob. One of the goals that I had for this is that we can actually encourage people not being tribalized, but they can actually have some unity. Do you think that a prayer challenge can help with that, Tyler? I believe so. It, it looks like all these other challenges in the past, like the uh, ice bucket challenge. Um, well, that's the main one I remember, but there, there's been several challenges in the past, uh, 
that seem to have united people for some reason on the same common trend. And well, maybe this will help people see a new light and bring them to Christ and uh, maybe help them change their views. Oh, I really hope so. Um, I really do. We look at the world around us, the social media mob, that's kind of what I've been calling it, the outrage mob, whatever language you may want to use. But the, the mob mentality of our current world, again, not like mafia mob, but like social media outrage mob, picketing in the streets, um, lighting stuff on fire, they really have the most powerful voice in our culture. However, I must point out the transforming power of Christ is more powerful, and never let us forget that. Our assumption must be the transforming power of Christ is better. But it's a real problem in our world because it's swaying a lot of people, particularly people who aren't morally based. There are a lot of people in this mob that think salvation is derived from the government. They think the government is the source of salvation. And they may not consciously think this. Again, people are a lot more complicated than they are uh, self-aware. You go back to the 2016 election, you even look at where we're at now. People are like, well, if the right people aren't in office, then there's no salvation. Other people, they're wanting to come into America because America's government is the salvation of the world. You find people in the church with this starting point. You find people elsewhere with this. And it's, it's really sad because governments aren't the source of salvation. They're much more likely to be the source of tyranny than, than not. Um, but the mob is opposed to reason. They don't really want to hear debate. They don't really want to hear anything else. And that's why we really need the transforming power of Christ in our culture. It amazes me how the mob will randomly pick something like a Christian virtue. Normally they hate Christian virtues. Right now I've been debating a few people about some issues involving uh, children and separating children and getting them back with their family. And I've been talking about how it's so important that children are, are raised in a, a family setting. In fact, the nuclear family setting is one of the, the greatest tools we have fighting against antisocial behavior. Antisocial behavior doesn't mean shy. It means like violent and, and corrupt. But these people, they're only interested in family a little bit if they can use that as a tool against their enemies and their cultural enemies, their political enemies. But normally they reject the idea of family. They don't want to talk about that. They don't want to talk about the objective psychology that's on this issue. They only really can talk about morality if they can use morality against other people. And if the only morality you have is how to use morality as a weapon against your cultural adversaries, then you're not really moral at all. The mob often says it's for the oppressed, but it really isn't. It only cares about virtue when it suits the needs of the moment, and that really bothers me. I sincerely want people to be past this, and I don't want sincere good people because there's a lot of good, virtuous people who are being fooled by the sophistry of the mob. Today we did a skit, Bake the Cake, where the Christian on, is on trial for eating a chicken sandwich from Chick-fil-A, basically, and the mob can't handle it. They want a sacrifice. They're never happy with tolerance. They've always wanted domination and worship of their idols. Uh, what are your thoughts, Tyler, on the fact that the social media mob, it doesn't just hap it can't just be happy with tolerance. It really wants you to come along and worship its idols, too. It wants you to participate in it. To be the most tolerant group, they're not very tolerant. Um, I do want to touch on one thing you were talking about as far as government. The government needs to just stick to a couple things. Protection of this country and uh, I guess international affairs. I'm not really sure of much else, but there's, they shouldn't be involved in everything down to a micro level of you and me to having a conversation over the internet. Yeah. Um, that should be left up to the people of the state. And if you're not happy in that state, move to a different group where uh, there might be a group of people that think more like you and, and you can 
live the way you want to in that state. Um, but back to uh, the, the mob mentality of not being tolerant um, and using morals against morals, it's unreal. You know, here they are right now. We're in the midst of a immigration crisis. This has been going on for what, six years, eight years, 10 years, a hundred years, a long time, right? Yeah, it's the people but, coming up through this situation has been going on for a long time. You can look at different pieces of recent history and see that it's always really been a violent thing. Again, you see so, stuff like 60, 80% of, of women and girls coming up are self-reported. The fact that they've been victims of, of rape and violent crime along the way. And people, they want to shed light on this. They want to say, oh, well, we need compassion and charity for these people. But they don't want to demagnetize this horrific route. If you want to have immigration, like, okay, but you need a better route than this. Surely your, your policy isn't just to put people in this way. It's, it's terrible. I just, I don't think you can say you're, you're taking up for the kids and you want charity for the kids and you want to do all this stuff for the kids. But yet you've never cared about it until now. And even then, if you're so worried about kids, then why are we pushing pro-choice? I know that's a different topic for a whole other day, but it's, it's very contradicting to me. You want women to have their rights to do what they want to with their body and their unborn child. But yet we're worried about these kids that are coming over illegally with their, parent, or their parents, guardians, traffickers, whatever you want to call them. Now we're getting concerned about kids. So what? Yeah. When does it stop? Where does the line get drawn in the sand between this is right, this is wrong? Yeah, but yeah. I think if you can look back at more, I think across the board, if you can just hold that that uh, morality to that all life is precious, you know, maybe we can come back to. Uh, well, absolutely, they're, they're all limited. They don't really want to shed light on the truth that having a nuclear family is is the best route. You can play with the formula a little bit. Again, you can have grandparents step in. You may have an uncle or an aunt, you may have people who are or relatives, you may have a good adoption family that comes in, but children really need to be in that, but they don't want to shed a lot of light on this subject because they're not actually interested in, in any of that. Anthony? Um, I was just going to say that the left really has a perfect way to prod people's emotions, and the funny thing about that is that, you know, emotions, a lot of times they're contradictory in themselves, especially whenever you're comparing different people's emotions. Like, you know, um, some women, they feel like they have the right to decide what to do with their bodies. And, you know, there's actually no connection between the idea that it's their body and um, the idea that they're actually affecting someone else's body. You know, they, they completely right. detach that, but they're going on the feelings, you know. And then you can look at immigration, and then it's like, oh, no, I don't want those kids to be hurt. But over here, you do want those kids to be hurt. Well, my and it's just to build off of Anthony's thing. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but are not the most vocal people who are opposed to abortion generally women? They act like this is a men versus women thing, but it's really a women versus women thing. Yeah, I would agree. And some of the stuff I'd heard is that once that that a lot of people women tend to regret it once they do it, and then you know they're not actually happy. Yeah. And to the to the point here of. And I think this has actually gone beyond right versus left. And again, I don't want our, our, our show to get political. Though I mean, there are trends. If People always say, well, you can't talk politics at all. But the thing is, there would be nothing left to talk about because politics has riddled its way into everything in life. It's literally yep. worked its way into to where you go to the bathroom now. So we've got to a place where if we're going to actually talk about our culture and be honest about transformation, we've got to step up to the plate. 
we're at this place where there is this massive confusion going on in the world. You know, what is moral, what is not moral? Something like the abortion issue, again, these are oftentimes people who claim that they're on the scientific side of things, but the argument in that scenario finds that the more we learn about infants in the womb, the further that date gets pushed back. It's not something which is saying, oh, they, they don't really have a, a soul or anything like that, but in fact the evidence is going earlier in the time frame that says this is actually a distinct human. It's not a clump of cells. The evidence for it just being a clump of cells is, is really not there. But back to the matter at hand with the mob, I don't think the mob really cares that much, even about women. I'm going to be honest. I think they just basically use them as a tool, and you find this because, again, they, you never see them speaking up against, like, female genital mutilation. Again, when it comes to something like immigration, they don't want to talk about the fact that a majority of these women are subject to violence here. And it's just crazy because, again, you come to the church. People have mothers. People have wives, sisters, um, girlfriends, fiancés, sister-in-laws. They have children. People love women. And if you actually examine church history, this idea that the church is oppressive to women is ridiculous because you'll find that a lot of the prominent figures in church history actually are women. In fact, in the very early church, the women are the ones who are sort of running a lot of the underground churches because men would be off working in fields, women are running households and things like that. Yeah, there's actually a pretty good argument to be made that the church has been an equalizer. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And especially in the, the what is now called the Dark Ages, but again, history is now off limits. It's You're, you're a bigot. If you use history, everybody should be ashamed of all history. Ridiculous. If you look at church history, one of the ways that men and women could actually raise the wealth of their families, they would go off. Whether you were a man or a woman, you had to become married to the church, basically. Um, that was pretty much equal for the sexes. But you go off, you can be, you know, work in a some sort of monastery. Whether you're a man or a woman, you can be teachers, things. There aren't actually that many people who turn out to be priests, you find so many more roles in the church than just the priesthood. But we're not imaginative enough to see that anymore, and we haven't been taught history, so we don't realize the great magnitude that both sexes have played in church history. Anyways, getting back to the topic, because time is a, a reality for the program. Pastor Amanda is out of town today. And I wish she was here for this conversation, but she's, she's out of town. But she did send me some material that she was just great material that's worth sharing with this. And Pastor Amanda has been talking about how there's a lot of people in our world that really view America as the kingdom of God. That America, the nation, it is the manifestation of the kingdom of God. It's the new Jerusalem or something. And this may upset people, but America is not the kingdom of God. Amanda has talked about this. I've talked about this. And even when you say America's not the kingdom of God, that's not beating up on America. It's just being realistic. America is unmistakably, we look at human history, it's unmistakably one of the greatest civilizations to come out of human history, if not the greatest. And in the midst of saying that, I firmly believe that the hope for America's survival is not founded really in government by itself. It's the government's, <coughs> excuse me, only a proxy. But the hope for America's survival is in the transforming power of Christ. And I'm convinced that spiritual revival is the key to cultural revival. And even secular people and secular institutions will benefit from this um, because they did in the past. When there's good moral people, you have the good groundworks for good grassroots, everything in culture, uh, everything gets better. 
The, the coattails of spiritual revival are so powerful that everyone will benefit. What's your thoughts on that, Tyler? I think it goes back to the beginning of this country. If you look at when we started as colonies from Britain, we came over here on the funded principle of freedom of religion. And then from that, we based our government, constitution, and laws off of teachings from Christ and uh, basic morals that are that are taught from, from the Bible. And uh, if, if we could get back to that, it'd be great. But it seems like the more uh, out there we get with social, ju social justice, the more, uh, I guess, infringing laws are promoted and we're getting further and further away from Christ and being able to maintain that society. So um, it would be nice to see uh, a cultural shift back to Christianity um, just so we can try to get back on track. Yeah, one of the things that they always use, they'll say, oh, well, we can't get back to Christianity because there's that Levitical law out there that says that Christians are bigots against gays. They must be. It's ridiculous. And again, if they actually had real examples of this being implemented, they wouldn't be using the abstract version. They'd be using the emotional argument of, oh, this person who is victim of this. We look at the New Testament. We look at the teachings of Christ. We look at Scripture as a whole. God calls us to be a blessing. The Levitical law that's often used as the, the crux for Christian virtue, it's not actually the crux for Christian virtue. First, because it has to have witnesses, the whole idea of stoning someone. And then it has an adjudication process. And on top of that, there's no historical evidence for this happening in such a scenario that it was actually what God wanted. If things like this happen, they're always the anomaly. Whenever we see people actually stoning someone in Scripture, God shows up in the flesh as Jesus Christ to say, no, 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 this is not what I meant for you. He who is without sin, they're the ones who throw the first stone. And Christ who is without sin says, I'm not going to throw the stone. I'm going to go to the cross and die so that you can have eternal life. The Levitical codes and things like that, they're more or less a warning against things which are generally harmful to an agricultural society. But if you actually look at that, they're sort of like the, the old festivals in the Old Testament. They're really not implemented. The people actually aren't orthodox enough to implement this stuff. And again, historically speaking, there's no evidence for this to, to be a claim that people make it out to be. Especially when you, you look at Scripture as a whole and you, you follow what God's call for the people of God is. But anyways, uh, before we wrap up this, because we do have a few more things on our program today, we're going to actually go to the book of Job here shortly. While we're, we're here still in the studio, any final thoughts before we go to Job? Yeah, I have a couple. Um, Anthony? The uh, one thing that I think is really, really interesting is that historically, all right, humanist and secular have nothing to do with what they mean now. Historically, humanist and secularism is actually focusing on things that were not directly related to God. So, like, a lot of times people will think that, you know, if we start to bring back Christianity, then we'll lose things like the sciences the study of culture, aspects of philosophy, and things like that. But in reality, those movements, science, modern medicine, a look into classic the classical theology started in pre-Renaissance and Renaissance times by Christians who wanted to look at, who wanted to expand beyond the horizon of, you know, directly um, God-related information. Oh, absolutely. Even if you look at people like Angela Marici, who's building Christian schools, they were called secular because they were not just 100% orthodox teaching. She was teaching what was basically home economics and how to actually run a family, how to manage a household. She was teaching girls how to do this, teaching them how to, to be married, how to stay married, how to not be divorced. 
teaching teaching people how to take Christian virtue and apply that throughout life. This is what secular used to mean. Like if you were not sitting down and, and hashing out articles of faith, then it was considered secular, even if you were still doing Christian work. Our modern world has lost that. And it's lost the fact that our modern sciences, things like Isaac Newton, Galileo, these are devout people who say God is rational, God is reasonable, God gives order and reason and meaning to creation. Therefore, mathematical formulas, things about physics, there must be out there in the universe because God, the creator, is orderly. Therefore, the universe is also orderly. Yeah. But I think, I think that's a pretty good topic, and I'm hoping that this ties into it. And uh, if it doesn't, you can stop me. But uh, my kids the other day, they were like, well, you know, God created the rain. God created iPhones and McDonald's and the roads and everything. And I said, well, you know, kids, I, I think we were more so created with the abilities and the intelligence to create other things. Now, they might be secular, but I think those are things that I wouldn't say necessities, like an iPhone's not a necessity, but it is very useful in our advancement in civilization. Yeah. Well, so I'm hoping that ties in, but I'm not sure if it does. Oh, it does. And for, oh, yeah. it's interesting that within the church, people are like, well, if you say that God's not a micromanager, you're, you're lowering his power. You're, you're taking away the power of God if you don't say God built the iPhone. But realistically, I mean, what is easier to do? To, to go and like take a, a block of wood and carve it into the shape of a clock or to actually make the mechanical clock itself? For God to create beings which can also create themselves, for God's will to manifest itself in such a way that it creates new beings which also have a will, that they can go out and do things themselves, that is a much more powerful thing. Recognizing that God can create people which can they themselves manifest creation in a, a sort of smaller scale out of their own will, we can't create sort of the, the cosmic life that you might see from God, that we can, we can have children, we can do things on a smaller scale, we can create iPhones, we can use our minds, we can use our reason and intellect to do things. And again, historically speaking in the church, people understood reason, it's a divine gift. Yeah, you get a few one-off people who are totalitarian and want to stomp that out, but that's just what you get in human civilization. You get that anywhere. But the church itself and the orthodoxy of the church teaches that reason is a divine gift. All right. Well, Tyler, I'll let you throw out one final plug for your program, and it's been great having you. Thanks for having me. Again, I'm Tyler Darnell from the Dark Horse Garage, and uh, I actually might have a project coming up soon. Uh, we recently purchased a pool, so that means I've got to do all the electrical for it and uh, kind of micromanage the installation. <laughs> so uh, that anybody wants to come help, anybody wants to come help me dig a ditch, come on, I'll let you get in the pool for free. The most <laughs> entertaining video about wiring up a pool, Tyler's capable of it. <laughs> thanks, thanks for being right, with us, Tyler. Thank you. Eating a chicken sandwich and enjoying it? I see that we truly do have a bigot on our hands. Come a little closer so that the court may examine you. If these accusations are true, that you are a Christian, that you went to Chick-fil-A, well, these are quite serious. This means that we're going to have to send you to the amphitheater if you are in fact guilty. You see, this really displeases the gods that you would do this. But 
I'm a, a fair man. I'm a tolerant man. So let's, let's find out if this is true. Tell me, son, did you eat at Chick-fil-A? Yes, I did. Son, are you a Christian? I am, and I'm very proud of it. I really like you. Do you have any children? You're a little ethnically ambiguous yourself. I do not. Well, I'll tell you what, you don't have any children, so we'll have mercy. The courts will have mercy on you today. We'll be very tolerant with you. I'll tell you what, they're doing the comb this week at the amphitheater, and I, re I really don't think you want the comb. It's sort of this rakey thing. It comes along, it, it peels your flesh right off your skin. It, it's not very fun in your personal life. So I'll tell you what, if you'll bake the cake, I'll let you go. That's all you've got to do, bigot. Just recant your Christianity, bake the cake, please the gods, and you can go free. How does that sound? Will you do that for me? Will you just bake the cake? Well, thank you for joining us today. Again, I'm Jay Dylan Proctor. You can follow me on Twitter at Jay Dylan Proctor. Please check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash kingdom of the logos. You can find us on YouTube. You can download our free podcast and take it with you wherever you go. And in fact, you can actually grab a link to it and share it with your friends. Of course, that podcast is found on SoundCloud, iTunes, it's on CastBox and iHeartRadio and a few other places the RSS feed trickles out to. Just grab a link, share it with your friends and family if you really enjoy our content. Also, if you'd like to be a patron and support our content, again, we do have equipment and things that we buy, and I hope to be able to bless those around here a little bit. Um, you can go to patreon.com slash kingdomofthelogos and become a patron and support us that way. Again, the best thing you can really do is just share our content and share the gospel. With that being said, if anybody wants to talk with a pastor, you can always reach out to me. Uh, my information is pretty easy to follow if you don't use the Twitter. But that being said, reach out to me. Let's talk. And on that, have a blessed day.